This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Buffaloes made another statement uh, in a game that actually wasn't as close as the score might have suggested or could, could have been even worse. Uh, Although, as, it, it, you, you were doing a PA. Yep. You're up in the press box. Correct. sitting in the stands, and thank you very much for coming <laughs> out in that way. Um, why did CU go for two when it was 29-7? to seven? I thought that was an interesting decision as well. I'm not entirely sure on that. Did you so ever did get, I. I was did, surprised did, at that. Did you ever? felt like 37 is probably the same distance. Both of you were in the press box. Did anybody have any suggestions as to why he might have been doing that? Now, it was one of the more entertaining plays of the game because Shadur got away from Nebraska pass rushers and was running around for oh, about yeah. 10 seconds through a great pass that was eventually correctly called incomplete, so they didn't get the two points. But I thought it was interesting that up 29-7, to 7, they went for two. I think maybe it was let's try a two-point conversion when there's no pressure. Okay. Just so we can run one. That is, that is when it doesn't logic. necessarily. That's as good an explanation yeah. as I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. I, that I that one I find. Maybe not, they're trying to run it up on that rule, but. I don't think so. Then they kicked the extra point after they scored the following touchdown. And at the same time, a little. But as, I don't know. There's some odd choices. Uh, late in the game when Ryan Staub was in for Shudder Sanders, uh, they were calling passing play for reasons. Uh, only known well, to Sean Lewis, over. I suppose he fum- he fumbles on the uh, yeah. on the sack. They lose yeah. the ball, and that actually leads to Nebraska's score on the final drive of the game. Otherwise, Correct. this is thirty six to seven, and uh, Colorado could well, have easily been running that ball. It was I not mean, an official sixty minute game, as you well know. It was Correct. Nine minutes and fifty nine seconds. Correct. There was one second remaining when the students came and charged down on the field. Uh, I will give the the PA announcer. Yeah. Uh, made, I thought, an obligatory, and it wasn't much more than that, an obligatory attempt the to game tell is fans not over. to stay off. Uh, the yeah, the, unfortunately, the uh, battle's lost there. No, They're not no, leaving. They, they, and the funny thing is, a lot of students tried to leave, but it wasn't going to happen enough no. to get the game back. And uh, honestly, what was going to happen in the end, you know, Nebraska could have tried kicking it on sides, and maybe they, what? They get it, and then... Then, then they what? what? You throw a Hail Mary, and maybe even you well, get no, that, and no, you lose 36. It, it, I mean, that would have taken touch, one second. Once you touch the ball, right. the game's over. So I think that's why the, the refs made the right choice, and, and I think that after talking with the rule and Sanders, like, eh, let's just get out of here. And and I, I, I'd be more impressed with Rule making his way through that mob scene to shake Sanders' hand if Rule hadn't made such a big deal about how classy he was to have done that. Just do it you yeah. don't have to brag about doing it generally it's, if you have to if you have to brag that you're classy <laughs> you might not be classy i mean right i mean that's the exactly. same that was that's exactly that's, my I, I feel the same way people always tell you well i'm a leader i'm like well are you because most people who are leaders don't have to don't tell have people to they're tell leaders people. so i'm like i don't know but uh obviously the news for colorado is outstanding after the two and O start and uh, not only did they get bumped up to 18th in the country in the latest uh, ap poll they will have virtually every broadcasting group on the planet <laughs> yeah. in the house in Boulder. Big noon kickoff for Fox, which is there. Obviously, the game was on Fox uh, Saturday. It's going to be back next week, even though the game is not on Fox. The game That's is right. Nor is it even close I to noon. I have never seen that. It I have never seen game day at a site where Fox is doing the game. The kickoff is And I have never seen Fox 8 at a site that 10 hours later 
uh, involves right. a game being broadcast by a rival. The, the, the kickoff oh, is at yes. 8 p.m. on ESPN, and yet Fox is going to have its big news. Yeah, absolutely. Show there same same I don't know. as they have the first Maybe they just kind of felt like, ah, we have to pack up all the trucks up and let's just call it good and come back here next week. Yeah. Save us they kept time. warning the students and threatening to shut down the show, too. Because the kids were throwing some stuff. Oh, yeah? See, by then I was That's at the, what happens at CU, though. I was know? at the stadium, yes. Kids are rowdy. Yeah, you know, and I want to say one thing about that, as long as it, it has been brought up. Um, I was sitting in a section with any number of Nebraska fans, fair number of Nebraska fans. The CU adults in the section could not have been nicer, more respectful. Uh, admittedly, the Nebraska fans... Didn't have much to cheer about, yeah. so they were pretty subdued. But still, I thought the behavior was exceptional until I left and some uh, drunken students were screaming at Nebraska fans who weren't doing anything except walking quietly to the exits uh, and cursing them out and all but physically assaulting them. And I, I, I have a lower opinion of the CU student population Year by year by year. Yeah, you need to act year. like you've been there before, and I know you don't, haven't been there before. You don't have to act like a jerk 100% of the time when you're at the games. Yeah. And they do. They do. And that's that's what people living around here resent most about CU. Not Deion Sanders, uh, not Rick George, not the athletic department, not the institution in and of itself. They think the students are spoiled brats who take when i went the term was trustafarians yeah they're just brats you know some spoiled little rich kids and that's certainly there is a there is a component of that there's no question whatsoever and for the buffs obviously now they're in this spot where it's they're at ranked 18th they're in a good spot they will take on the colorado state rams who are not in a great spot in fact they are changing uh, quarterbacks for this game. They yeah. will uh, they will yeah. rotate out quarterbacks. I'm not sure if that was really the problem, but I understand for Jay Norvell, you, you're trying to make some sort of changes that may make a difference there, and so they are going to try a different quarterback against the Buffs. Uh, the, the problem right now that Nebraska had, that Texas Christian had, that CSU is certainly going to have, is the Colorado's speed Boy, uh, on fast. offense, and, and even at points on defense, is extraordinarily difficult to match and when you look at the the performances in this game again for the second game in a row you hear about travis hunter and you hear about jimmy horn as well as you should but xavier weaver is just he's blowing by guys he's on sideline routes absolutely zipping by people 10 catches for people 170 yards and a touchdown how, how deep they are and i didn't understand i and, and i've seen their two games in person and weaver is just as impressive as the other receivers. Now, Hunter's a special case, although he didn't play nearly as much no. on Saturday and, as he had. And smart, realizing and smart. that wasn't necessary. It wasn't, right. wasn't necessary. Traverse Judd Dawson That's comes out of comparatively exactly. nowhere, three exactly. catches, 41 yards, yeah. and a touchdown. Uh, and, 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 and they seem to have an abundance of, of speed, speed to burn, as they, as they say. Um, we didn't have a chance to ask Rip Perea about this, but I think the interesting thing, and I'll say this about the Bronco organization rather than Sean Payton in particular, because he's been here for about five minutes. There was a phrase that I believe Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, used. 
when he was talking about how the Jets have tried to build their team. We'll see tonight uh, whether their first impressions mm-hmm. uh, in the first meaningful game they played with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and seemingly an up-and-coming young team otherwise. Uh, we'll see how they do. But he talked about looking for people who are intrinsically motivated. And I find that to be true at the University of Colorado. I don't think they need a lot of motivation. Right. Shadur Sanders isn't great because his father is coaching the team. And the other statement that was made, confidence not being overtaken by arrogance. Right. The Broncos, as an organization, have been overtaken by arrogance. Um, and there, there's no sign of any real confidence, just an arrogance and a presumptuousness that has, frankly, existed for the better part of the last seven years now and seems to be continuing apace. CU, in spite of all of the statements and those who still, as Dr. Rick Perea does, sincerely believe that sustaining this over the long term may be difficult because obviously every year you can't bring in 80 transfers or uh, no. Well, or if, and if you did, you didn't do a very good job with the ones right. you did the year before. Exactly right. And when you're not really developing freshmen and sophomores, um, at some point those guys might have to play and they really haven't been developed very much. But I do think so far a preponderance of the evidence suggests that CU projects confidence, not arrogance. Obviously there are plenty of people out there who would disagree with that, but that's been my impression as a skeptic through the first two games. The, Skeptics have always they've always been around since Sanders took over it out of Jackson State, certainly at the University of Colorado as well. Over at ESPN, Paul Fonbaum's been one of those with the SEC network. And of course, you know, when you're at the SEC, it's easy to take a look at everybody else and say they're not particularly all that good. Yeah. But in Fonbaum's case, he was one of those that thought that this wasn't going to work, that this was kind of all for show and it was good marketing and it wasn't going to mean very much on the football side. Uh, Fonbaum on SportsCenter uh, changed his tune. Yeah, can I get beg the mercy of the court, mainly you and, and Randy, uh, to forget everything I have said up until now? Uh, I, I realize Nebraska is not a Florida State or, or an Alabama or Texas or, or even a Georgia, but they're still a respectable team, although you can't ever tell at the end of the games. But what Colorado did yesterday to me sent a clarion call out to the country that this is not a fluke. And in many ways, they're starting to remind me of a school last year that went all the way to the national championship, and that is TCU. The problems start in a few weeks. Colorado State is very manageable, but what about at Oregon? That's one of the most difficult places in the country. And then you talk about star power. Uh, Tinseltown uh, is going to be uh, up in lights when, uh, when, when Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and half of the world show up in Boulder in a few weeks. Keep that in mind, too, by yeah. the way, that, that uh, today, by the way, the Oregon game got picked up. That'll be on ABC. The, the Buffs' <laughs> first four games are All going to be national. national television. First four. Yep. Uh, that will be almost certainly. When a, was the last time that happened? Oh, maybe my goodness. In maybe 89 or 90 with McCartney. That, and 
if Maybe. ever, even to be honest, because the the it was yeah, it would be so infrequent. They were on national TV a lot, yeah. during their best years under McCarthy. Before you know, the four first games to open the uh, the season, probably not very very often. And I assure you this: if they were to somehow beat Oregon in Oregon. Uh, it'll be five because they'll be back in Boulder for a oh, Colorado Southern Cal you, you uh, without question. The the idea here with this team, though, and and, and I, we they haven't played top tier teams. That said, when we talk about top tier teams, we're talking about the other top ten type caliber teams. What they are playing is a bunch of teams that tend to hover around the top twenty five. The Buffaloes were the worst Power Five team in the country last Number year. Number one thirty-three. They are now beating other top twenty-five contending teams. Well, That's ahead of pace. Yes, TCU for sure. And you know we went through uh, at least the athletics preseason projection mm-hmm. on one through one thirty-three, and uh, some of our listeners thought it was insulting that CU only ranked 84. And I said, that's a 49 spot jump. jump. Yeah. They jumped 49 schools because they were dead last. And this that, wasn't, this wasn't a program good. that had, that had been good and had a down year, but exactly. the program that had been, been down and been down. They had one great year in 2016. They won 10 games for Mike McIntyre and quickly receded back into, uh, uh, the realm of irrelevancy. But, Nebraska, I believe, on that list was in the 70s somewhere, ahead of CU. Yeah. And TCU was Ooh, between well 15 ahead. and 20. I mean, you have to acknowledge exactly what Feinbaum said, that, you know, yeah, true, TCU doesn't have very good defense. True, Nebraska finds a way to lose games, but they generally lose close. And you were right when you said that at 36 to 14, the game was not nearly as close as that score might indicate. No, obviously, when you're talking about that particular situation, uh, they're they're in good shape. And look, the the, the buffs as it stands, they have 10 games left. Six of those are against ranked teams now. Six of their of their final 10. Four of those on the road. So when you look at the challenges going forward, they will be significant, and we'll find out how good they they actually are. We'll find out uh, over time, you know, how how much this team improves. But the nice thing is, as they continue to go here, they they've they've learned the lessons cheaply. They're two and zero. They're likely to be three and zero, and now you run into a spot where they will be in an opportunity to play an Oregon team more than likely. And I don't mean to discount Colorado State. But you'd rather play Oregon where you've had a few weeks of starting to solidify as a roster. And they have. You're a month in. Yes. So that culture is starting to take place. I, I agree with that. Now, I'm not saying they'll beat Oregon. No, I'm not either. Will. I don't think they will either. But Or USC for but that point. I, the Oregon coach about a month ago was a little dismissive of Colorado. I was actually further back than that. Yeah. Because Colorado left the Pac-12 before Oregon did. Now, in hindsight, his remarks now sound ridiculous because Oregon ends up leaving. They immediately left. So why are they getting on Colorado for leaving? But he did say, and he was factually correct, 
that since joining the Pac-12, um, you certainly could count on one hand the number of football games of significance CU had won. He said, I'm trying to remember what they won to affect this conference. I right. don't remember them winning anything. Well, it wasn't I'll wrong tell you one at thing the time. That Sanders and Shadur, that Coach Sanders, Coach Prime, and Shadur Sanders have been very good at, and that's in finding, especially Shadur, surprisingly enough, finding little examples of statements that have been made throughout the offseason. Matt Rule said, I'd never have cameras following me around like Deion Sanders does. He's an egomaniac. To he which Shadur Sanders, when he got a penalty for removing his right. helmet, um, actually had gotten hollered at. Deion Sanders said after the game, I, I, I told him, and I said, you can never do that. You can never do that. Okay. And he was upset with his son, his son, Dad, this is personal. And then he said, because I couldn't do anything but laugh. that's what his dad had been saying all week. Right. And he, Shadur's a smart kid. He threw it right back in his father's and he, face. That's, that's he what said, Deion said, said is, I, I had to laugh. all week, it's personal. And I'm saying I, that's why I did it. It's personal. They've been personally disrespectful. Um, you know, and so they they found motivation. And, and the, the TCU thing had to do with Bryles, I think, and his alleged mistreatment of Shadur Sanders in the recruiting process right. a while back when Bryles is not at TCU, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they found... Good luck in finding something offensive about CSU. You won't. They can't. But they'll win that game just because they're a much better team. Going to Oregon, though, they'll have this statement. I'm sure will be mentioned. Oh, I I imagine that's one that, uh, look, I I imagine Oregon feels rather comfortable. But now all of a sudden, at least it stands that, hey, that's number 13 versus number 18. There might be a moment where Dan Lanning looks in the mirror and goes, I maybe didn't need to put that. On the bull- board Oregon for State them? beat the other day. Oregon beat the other day. I'm sorry. Oregon. They beat Texas Tech. Yes. Correct? They did. On the road. On the road. 38, 38 Tech, to 30. Texas Tech gave them a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Almost beat them. Right? They did. Texas Tech is not as good a team as Colorado appears to be right now. Doesn't seem like it. Shadur Sanders, of course, now at this stage is a turning heads, not only at the uh, college football level, but maybe already even at the uh, – Pro level, uh, Pat McAfee had an interesting statement about Sanders' draft prospects. Might make uh, Buffs fans a little, I don't know, excited, nervous, both. What is that? I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. In good news for Sarah Sanders and the Buffaloes, and also potentially, I guess, bad news for the Buffaloes, Shadur Sanders' is, uh, stock is rising exponentially <laughs> yeah. with uh, every performance, obviously. You could make the argument in the first two games, both wins, of course, by Colorado, that you'd have a tough time finding a quarterback that's been better. 903 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. The uh, only only one quarterback has ever thrown for more yards in their first two games uh, at the uh, FBS level. Well, all, all looking pretty good. 
Peter King, in his Football Morning in America column, just threw this in about halfway through the column. Shadir Sanders' first two major college starts, 2023. 69 completions, 903 yards, six touchdown passes. Patrick Mahomes' first two major college starts, 2014. 40 completions, 502 yards, four touchdown passes. Just saying, Sanders can play. Yeah. Completion percentage on the year is 77.5%. His quarterback rating, remember, it's a different scale than college, uh, than pros. It's 185. That's pretty good. The uh, fallout from that, as you might expect, is the fact that the draft stock after coming was more like people were sort of curious and wondering what was going to happen. Now coming out of the woodwork, Pat McAfee on his program said that already as it stands today, he has Shadur Sanders very highly ranked. Who's that third? Shador Sanders has got to be in there right now. Has to be. And yeah. He's got to be. He's got to be quiet. Yeah. His dad's Deion Sanders. Yeah. Anytime you can get a legacy player. Okay. It is if you get somebody that knows what it's like to be a professional athlete, knows what the NFL is like, probably knows a lot of people in a lot of buildings since he was a little kid, Mm -hmm. the expectation, how to operate, everything that's coming. It's like this dude is unstoppable. He is so good at football, and it's kind of getting shadowed, obviously, because the hype of Colorado. Then you look at Travis Hunter. This dude is an anomaly, a freak yeah. show. He is so good. Shiloh, the others, yeah. the other brother is right. what it be called. He's leading them in tackles. They got this run. They got running backs on top of running backs. Edwards. They're a good. T- they're a action. What if Colorado ends up in a college football playoff? Oh, I hope. Who Could you no. imagine, AJ? They're going to have to get through a tough Pac-12. This is the toughest Pac-12 has been in a long time. But if they do, they've earned their spot in the college football playoff. Could you imagine Prime? Oh. Oh. That speech. Oh, my. That's chance. We are standing in a moment I mean, where that not? is possible right now. It seems that almost anything is possible. He certainly talks about the Pac-12 part of it, too. Yeah. Dr. Rick Perry made a point an hour ago that that put on the brakes and his point, I think is well taken in this particular sense, the PAC 12 and people are conflating the demise of the PAC 12 with it being a bad football conference. It is not. Uh, It is a great football conference this year. A third of the top 18 are ranked. Six teams in the top 18 are ranked. Colorado is number 18. Now, I'm not a whiz, but that means five Pac-12 teams, even now, are ranked ahead of Colorado. And ahead of where TCU is ranked, when Colorado beat TCU, TCU is ranked number 17. What I'm saying, and I think what Dr. Rip Perea was saying, is that they could finish the year as the most exciting, the most interesting team in all of college football, and they could be a middle-of-the-pack pack 12 team. Possibly. Sixth place in a 12-team league. Possibly. I mean, very easily. Very easily. It's and a, that's it's how really, good really the good five league. teams ahead of them are. Yeah. It's it's absolutely stacked, and in part because in, of quarterback play. Uh, you look at, of course, Caleb Williams, who's going to be the number one pick in the draft. You look at Penix out of, out of, out of Washington. Look at Bo Nix. Uh, Nix out of Oregon, of course, the 
The Buffs will see them soon enough, and Sanders is in that mix, quite frankly. He is. Statistically as well. Oh, he's playing as well as any of them, but the the point is those are established teams. The the other five were all ranked inside the top 20. And they At have the been, the right, year. exactly. They, all they, preseason they're rankings. not all coming out of nowhere. Colorado's come out of nowhere. Yes, they're the ones that have but come out of nowhere. But the other five are not coming out of and nowhere. And they had the biggest jump, by the way, again, seven spots up. Uh, Texas moved six ahead after it beat Bama, although and Texas, Texas uh, very good. did get a couple of first-place votes uh, after yeah, that win you as know, well. I, I think beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa is That's such a, a rare feat that— uh, I don't think Alabama has anything close to its best team this year, and I think Nick Saban knows that. It's an unusually young Alabama team, and I think Nick Saban knows that. Uh, Nick Saban even channeling his inner George Allen today by repeating the phrase from the great late George Allen, the future is now. In other words, we haven't given up on the season, but Nick Saban in the same press conference today acknowledged that Texas beat Alabama in every phase of the game the other night. They were much the better team, and that's another game that finished 34-24 but really was more one-sided than that score. must be nice to be Alabama and realize we're going to have an off year. We might finish the year ranked, I don't know, 14, something like that. 10 to 15. (laughs) Yeah, ish. And I think, you know, going into the season, that's probably where they should have been ranked. And I happen to like the young quarterback they've got, Milrow, but he ain't hurts. Certainly not yet. Yeah. And uh, we saw Hertz yesterday, and he was not at his best necessarily, but they won the ballgame. Tua was incredible. Oh, Jordan yeah. Love and Tua were the two best quarterbacks I saw yesterday. Uh, and Tua was another guy who, you know, all the talk about Miami's offensive line being shaky and Tua having the concussion issues last year. And boy, you know, could he stay healthy? I'll tell you what. He was protected well yesterday, and he was fantastic. I love Justin Herbert. There's no bigger Justin Herbert fan than I am. Probably not in town here, yeah. Tua outplayed him. Mm-hmm. He was Considerably he was outplayed him. He was terrific. Uh, great quarterback play. and uh, uh, No further at an expert. You have to go further than Mel Kuyper Jr., who today talked about Shadur Sanders and said it was his number three quarterback as well, like Pat McAfee did, but... Kuyper even went further and said, quote, if he stays at Colorado, we'll be talking about him next summer like we're talking about Caleb Williams right now. Number one pick, guaranteed. He's got a decision to make. Well, uh, you are closer to the program Mm -hmm. than I am at the present time, and it is your opinion that he will stay for one more I think he will, and there are a couple reasons for that. I I think there is. uh, The reality is we're looking at this right now. I, I still think, given the difficulty of the schedule, I think the Buffaloes now, I, I, I said that at the beginning of the year, we know they we knew they were going to beat their three-and-a-half over-under. That was a no-brainer. Uh, we thought, you know, a, a bowl would be a good result. We thought there was about a 50-50 chance they'd get to one. I think it's a little better than 50-50 oh, now. more like uh, 65 Yeah, 30. you're going to start 3-0. and oh. I think there's a pretty yes. good chance that, yes. you're, that you're going to win three somewhere down the road because you're a little better team than people and thought. And you're probably going to beat Stanford at home. Yep. So that's four. Yep, I would think uh, so. You're going to get Arizona yep. at home. Arizona at home. That's probably a win, so that's five. And even Arizona State on the road is not, not insurmountable. Not win, no. And then you're going to have to UCLA on the road, not impossible. Yeah. But you're going to have to beat somebody ranked. But you're going to have to beat Washington State, mm-hmm. which isn't ranked, I don't believe. They are the 20, 20. Well, I'm sorry. They were, uh, yeah. Washington State. 
Not Washington. Pardon me. You're right. They're playing at Washington State. Washington State's got a good team. Yeah. And they play at Utah, and Utah's obviously one of those ranked teams yep. ranked ahead of them. Uh, so, you know, getting – I can see five wins for sure. Uh, getting that sixth might be a little hard. Not impossible, and I think they'll do it. And they might even get to seven and have a winning season. And that would be stunning. I still think eight, nine, ten wins I think it's, is overly yeah. optimistic. Me too. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised, but, but I think it is. It is not ridiculous for people to have hope that it could happen because based on form and, you know, this whole business about, well, teams will see them on tape. And the more they play, the more they see them on tape and pick up tendencies. It, you, you said it just a few minutes ago. Well, okay. It, it's not like they just have one or two big play threats on offense. They got a whole they're coming out of the woodwork. They're big play threats on top of big play threats. Oh, and by the way, uh, Washington State on the AP is ranked 23rd. Okay. So there's another. So that's seven, seven ranked in the top 23. Seven in the top 23 okay. from the uh, from the I, back I 12. was mistaken. So that, that would well, mean. Well, they deserve to be ranked. Yeah, presumably. I mean, that's more than half the Pac-12 yeah. is ranked in the top 23. And including the two teams that don't have a conference in Oregon State, Washington right. State. They're ranked. Well, my opinion having talked to some people who, who know about these things, is that the Mountain West will be absorbed by these two teams. That would be the smart. Be the Pac-12. This is what I've talked about. I, that's yeah. what I, I said. If I they were that. smart, that's, that's what they should do. You should dissolve the Mountain West. And make it the Pac-12. That way nobody has to pay their little their little uh, exactly right. you know cost to get out, their exit exactly fees, right. and then just become the Pac-12. Become the Pac-12. And then uh, for at least the next two years, you have a contract that you pays do. you all a lot more money. That's so that's interesting exactly as, right. as well. So that would be smart for everyone if they were to get that done for sure. But And probably that, good. You know what? CSU's struggling, and they're replacing their quarterback apparently. But, I still think they're on the right track. I think if they're – to, to, to get back to where they could be, I won't say should be, but could be, you need more teams beyond Boise State, Air Force maybe, who year in and year out are going to push you. Yeah. They're really going to push you. And then you add Washington State and Oregon uh-huh. State, they will push you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they clearly, they make they clearly rule the roost or uh, you the, will, on day one. Just you'll be left behind. You yeah. Shadur Sanders, by the way, you talked about the idea. You, I, I look, I, I guess this things could happen, but there are two reasons that make me believe that he's likely to stay. One, I think the year will get harder and he will have, the numbers will drop off. He's not going to have this kind of game every time no, out. No, I mean, we, we said last week, and, and you had it. He's going to look plenty I'm good. I'm relying on your memory now. Okay. Okay. The um, all-time single-season passing yards record oh, at the University of Colorado is 3,200, right? I think, yeah, I think it, maybe it's 38, but it's. Okay, it's 38. He's. He's about a quarter of the way there. Yeah. No, you're correct. 3,200. You were correct. Single okay. season, 3,200. So he is almost <laughs> a third of the way after two, two games, games to the all-time single season passing yardage record right. at the University of Colorado. That is absolutely amazing. Had he now, had 10 more it, yards passing? At, at six games, will he have 3,000 yards? Of course not. But they're playing 12. At yeah. mid-season, he could be closing in on what, two thousand to twenty-five hundred? Sure. Oh yeah. By mid-season, he was ten yards away from having. He would have had three hundred ninety-three yards. Ten more yards, he would have been four hundred three. That would have been the number one and number ten performances in single game in his first two games. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's comical. The single-season touchdown record is 28, Sandy. He has nine. He is. <laughs> He's a third of the way there now. He is, after two games, assuming a standing that would make him the greatest quarterback in the history of the Colorado football program. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, you could, and that will be enhanced. Two games in, you could make an argument he's already in the mix next year. In addition to this year, right? Next year, he'll hold every passing record that exists at Colorado, and there will be nobody even close. Here's the crazy part: if he played for two years, he might still have the the career record. The career record is also Seth Falufau at nine thousand seven hundred sixty-three yards. You're talking about it. The yeah, that that might be tough. It might be, but it's not impossible. No. And though and, and Lufau played four years, Sanders could maybe do it in two. The top two-year performance is Mike Machete, who had 4,797. Sanders could reach that maybe this year. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. The it, in, Yeah, in the career touchdown numbers, if he sets the single-season record, he'll be in the top 10 right then. I mean, the, the numbers are bonkers, so why would he stay? Well, there's a couple reasons. One... Wouldn't necessarily be to put all the Colorado records to bed, although that might not be a bad thing. There's the advantage of setting up Deion Sanders and continue to give a, a continue to build and let you recruit and build more and more. It is worth noting that the top current quarterback prospect in the country is expected to be in the house in Boulder for the game against USC. But for Sanders to stick around, that would help launch Deion Sanders' program a little bit more. Two, this is where the NIL world changes things. He's already by uh, reporting on on three, which is is a site that actually tracks that NIL stuff. Uh, Shooter Sanders is roughly it's it's relative, it's educated guesses about the eighth most compensated college athlete in the country, top ten. And I say college athlete because also uh, Libby Dunn, a, a gymnast for LSU, was on that list. Yeah. Uh, Angel Clark, there's a couple of sure, other, oh yeah, uh, but eight, eighth athlete overall, right. And uh, Travis Hunter, by the way, is listed as 10th. You don't think that <laughs> jumps up to four, five, six million dollars? Where, where are all the people who are saying? Shadur Sanders oh, well, would. Said, those two guys are playing in Boulder. Yeah. They won't get that much money. Shadur could it's end up making five, six million dollars to stay yeah. and play one more That's year right. and be BMOC right. and work with his dad and not get beaten up by 30 year old men. It's it, the, and this is where NIL is going to change certain circumstances. Oh, keep it, keep an eye I for agree. that in Texas with Arch Manning when he yeah. makes his debut. He's already, by the way, yeah. number one. I'll, I'll tell you the guy, the guy playing NHL, NHL, NIL. He's pretty Yours, good. Yeah. Well, 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 he's he's top, he's top five as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Texas boosters yeah. have their advantage. But I, I I think there's all the reason to believe that unless CU does somehow get ten wins and find themselves in the college football playoff. He'll be back. He'll be back for one more yeah, year. Shadur Sanders is is going to be so successful. He also seems to be quite enjoying his time what, right what's now. What's the exactly? What's the rush? What's the hurry? He's having the time of his life. You don't life. think they're going to want you? Yeah, don't worry about it. What's they're the going to want you more. He's going to have a great. The, the pro Caleb career. Williams track is is exactly the one he's on. That's exactly right. So you know we'll find out what's the and hurry. Caleb Enjoy. Williams' father has said. We could stay another year, you know. Now, I I, I think that's probably the, yeah. the father. As Jay-Z just, would say, what's higher uh, than number one? You know, come on. Uh, is is talking to hear himself talk, maybe. A little bit. But, but, yes, that's theoretically possible. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Although they'd be in different conferences next maybe. year. Maybe. Caleb Williams 
and Shadur you want Sanders my market? You want my market down? A random sort of thing. The uh, long-running video game series for college football that EA Sports had for years is expected to come back next summer. Shadur Sanders is going to be the first cover athlete on that game. We'll be back for more on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It is football season, and why bet with the big boys this football season? I mean, instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports. This fall, Superbooks is the book next door. So just this dedicated team of best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code Mile High. So bet with the best. And use promo code MileHigh this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sandy, as we look at the Broncos' loss yesterday, a very disappointing loss, a game that feels like at home you should have won. You you can't lose games like that. The offensive game plan, and I understand that Jerry Judy was out. And by the way, don't be surprised, Broncos fans, if you start hearing about Jerry Judy being ready to play on game two, and don't be surprised if Jerry Judy plays in game two. But be nervous that Jerry Judy is ready for game two. Exactly. And uh, Greg Dulcich expected to miss at least some time with the hamstring injury. With the he same suffered. sort of injury. Yeah. So the Broncos, to me, came out with a sort of leap. I, I guess I would say I was a little surprised. <laughs> given, as you pointed out specifically, they really have one brilliant game-ruining player in Max Crosby. But right, the Raiders. He's about yeah. the only guy. He's the only guy who can that you're worried is going to disrupt right. things. And yeah, I sorry. thought for Sean Payton, quarterback whisperer, all, all right. that. I thought it was a shockingly conservative offensive game plan. What was Joe Lombardi's game plan? Sean Payton still like calling the me. plays, right? Sean Payton's calling the plays. It sure looked like Joe Lombardi's game plan to me. Joe Lombardi is the most conservative offensive coordinator currently working in the National Football League. The San Diego. Uh, uh, slash Los Angeles Chargers. I guess they were the Los Angeles Chargers when they hired Joe Lombardi. Um, they fired him. At the end of last year, they brought in Kellen Moore. And, uh, you know, they did score 34 yesterday uh, against a Vic Fangio defense. Now, the Vic Fangio defense got the last word. And Vic Fangio got the last word uh, when he got uh, two for Herbert two. sacked Kellen uh, Moore. at the end of the game. Uh, yeah. It's, but, of course, Vic Fangio's up in a press box now, so it doesn't get to shake well, hands with Kellen Moore. He's in much more uh, control up in the field. press box. Likes it better up there anyway. Um, but um, when when you're playing against a team who has wrecked games in the past against you, and I know they haven't been here in the past, but he's the only guy you got to block and they couldn't block. Only guy you got to block. They, I don't care if it takes two guys, three guys. They block. couldn't. You, you get, there's You're nobody else who could hurt you. I, I know Tillery had a sack, but I, I didn't think he was a factor. I, I looked at their starting lineup, and I, I'm like, none of these guys can play. Or guys like Marcus Peters, who were good a few years and a few injuries ago, and, and can't play anymore. He isn't any good. Uh, they're just throwing people out there. They are not a good defensive team. And yet, Crosby hadn't fed the Broncos gained 260 yards yesterday and averaged four and a half yards of play and barely five yards of pass. 
Now, the Raiders Ugh. average 7.7 per attempt, but on yards per pass for a team, you take away the sack yardage. Mm-hmm. Broncos didn't have a sack. The Broncos had one tackle for a loss in the game. The Raiders had seven. Crosby had more than one, <laughs> uh, obviously, in that uh, area. But how, how do you get beaten with the world's greatest defense? Seven tackles for losses to one. It, against a Raider defense, it's not any good except for Max Crosby, and he's all-world. He's, yeah. he's terrific. No he's, sacks. He, one he, tackle for loss. It was Zach Allen, who also had one of, right. the, one of Allen, the only three quarterback hits. I thought Zach Allen was, again, as he was throughout training camp, their best defensive player, if not their best player overall. He might well have been the best player on the field yesterday for the Denver Broncos. But I, I'm looking at the Broncos on defense, and I'm looking at five-man lines and six-man lines, and I'm like, your only goal is to stop Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had great games against the Broncos, but so have their quarterbacks and so have their receivers had great games against the Broncos. And, yeah, okay, they stopped Josh Jacobs, and they held him to 17 points. Well, yeah, but they also had the ball for the last five minutes, eight seconds. It wasn't like Josh Jacobs was hurting him on the ground. Jimmy Garoppolo hurt him. Yeah. Because they're paying so much attention to Josh Jacobs. And they they blitzed a lot, but the Raiders were ready for it. Yeah. And I, I thought Josh McDaniels outcoached Vance Joseph. Uh McDaniels is the head coach of the Raiders, of course, calling the plays. And I thought Josh McDaniels generally is a coach, managed the game better than the, Sean and that Payton. keeps his weird stat that you pointed out on Friday. Josh he McDaniels unbeaten against Super Bowl coaches. Against a number of Super Bowl coaches, including Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, who have won Super Bowls, and against guys like Levy Smith, and against and the Sean 2015 uh, champions. Uh, you run that out to 10-0, and and I think it's 8-0 if you throw Peyton into the mix now. That is the first weird. game coaching against Peyton. Very weird. Um, but I, I'm looking at the Broncos on offense. And you mentioned it uh, in our conversation with Cody earlier. Um, Samadji Pirine was the leading yardage receiver at 37 yards. Yeah. They had two explosive plays yesterday. 21-yard pass to Johnson, who, uh, as a reward... Uh, played didn't only get half to, the game. Right. Uh, didn't get to play you, very much. You, you didn't see him that much after he made that 21-yard reception. And then P. Ryan caught a pass that ended up going for 20. Uh, P. Ryan's an odd player to me. We were talking during the break yeah. about that, and I'll let you make the point. Well, I mean, I, li- I like Because the, I agree with uh, I still like the addition, but I thought it was interesting because P. Ryan's sort of, his intensity from play to play <laughs> seems to waver. Uh, at least it did. At least yes. it did yesterday. It did Let's yesterday. put it that way. And we didn't follow him. There were there were certain games in which you know he was he really looked good. He was yeah. oh, he was effective in space. Yeah, uh, we know he's a good pass catcher. At times he was even moving the pile a little bit. And then there were other times where instead of you know being decisive, just kind of looking for the, the path of least can, resistance. Can sort of strange. On either side of the ball, show some spirit. Show some emotion. Get angry. Do anything. Last year, at least. It, couple of guys like Brett Rippon on the sidelines were getting on guys. And, of course, he got shouted down by Dalton Reisner. Brett Rippon, by the way, has a job in the NFL. Dalton Reisner does not um, at the present time. He was at the airport today, though. But it's uh, hey. oh, good for him. Um, but I, I'm looking yesterday, and the team that has no speed, you've got Mims, mm-hmm. who's going to play a whole lot. 
from what I your, your two fastest players. He played twenty seven percent of the offensive snaps, and your your other speed guy is McLaughlin, and he played eight percent of the snaps. And keep in mind where where Judy healthy. Dorsett and Burton played more than McLaughlin. Mims and McLaughlin are still your two fastest players. Well, uh, yes, yeah, they're faster than Judy. What what are you doing? That was kind of interesting, and I know you're you're going with guys you kind of maybe wanted more veteran guys, guys in their first game ever. You were concerned about it. I don't know, but I, I, I would suspect there will be changes because I agree with you. Brandon Johnson was effective and didn't really get to play that often. Now, half the snaps. Little Jordan Humphrey, I thought, played well. He played well. And I thought uh, the, the touchdown was a, was a good play. I thought he played well. I think it was fine. Dorsett was uh, a disaster. How, how do you catch what a would ball have been standing out of bounds? The biggest play of the game. And, and will you point out the big plays that you called out the two? Sean Payton mentioned those today and downplayed both of them, kind of indicating they weren't really that big because they were sort of either, in, in Johnson's case, kind of questionable defensive coverage or just kind of a dump-off that went for something well, longer, they, they not really explosive the, plays. Ra- Sean Payton is telling us the Raiders can't cover. That's a newsflash? I, I, I'm saying it's bad that you only had two. I don't, right. I don't care if he diminishes them or not. I, I, it's it's not very good. Dorsett would have been one. Two, if Dorsett, Dorsett would have been one, why wasn't he staying, getting all over Dorsett? You're uncovered. If I, if I, and maybe he did behind closed doors, but why wouldn't he mention that today? He said, that's the absence of detail that this team has been known for for years. With 10 penalties. And it's going to take, apparently, more than one game to turn that around. They took 10 penalties yesterday. The Raiders, who historically the have league. been penalty prone, Right, took Regularly. 10 penalties for 97, but the Broncos matched it even more mindlessly, taking their 10 for 83 yards, and the <clears throat> penalties that proved determinative oh. of the outcome were taken by the Broncos. Right, and, and quite frankly, by two of their veterans who should know better. Exactly. Early in the game, exactly. and Justin Simmons exactly. with a late hit on Jimmy Garoppolo. Who later came back and threw a touchdown pass. And, and then, of course, the one that essentially ended the game, what would have been a, a tackle... At forcing a punt, then ends up with Kareem Jackson hitting Jacoby Myers high and clearly leaving him concussed and giving the, the now, Raiders 15 yards, and that'll essentially allow them to finish I, the game. Help me out defensively here. Nick Benito and the other yep. Looked really player good in camp. camp who was celebrated, young player. You know, and to be fair, going into his when he year. was on, I noticed him too. He was, he was finding his way to the backfield. That was the issue, though. He played one quarter yeah. of the defensive snaps. Where was he? Where was he? I was fascinated by that because, to me, he actually looked like he was effective in the time he was there and didn't get it. And I don't know if this is just Sean Payton has to get his trust and believe in his guys before they play him. I don't know. But that was intriguing to me. They're the slowest team in the National Football League. They might be the slowest team in the National Football League. That is not an example. As for, now, I you know, they could get Judy back, okay, and maybe Judy makes them less than the slowest team. But even Judy NFL, is not a Judy straight is not burner. Known he, as is, a burner. he is quick he's in not, and out of cuts. He's not. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and he's good after the catch and all that. But, but, but the Broncos tight ends, they're, they're, they're all like Noah fan. This Troutman, who beat out Dulcich, which says more about Dulcich than it says about Troutman, Troutman can't break a tackle. He goes down like a sack of potatoes at the first hand of that he's touched by a finger. 
and he goes down like a sack of potatoes. It will be a uh, very important week for the Denver Broncos. We will pay attention to it, of course, for the Broncos. Rocky Mountain Showdown comes back this Saturday, too, although that what appears to be a little less likely to be close than the Broncos. Now, all of a sudden, must win game two. Thanks to Dr. Rick Prayer for joining us, as he does on Mondays. Thanks to Cody Rourke of Miley Sports for joining us. Make sure you check him out as well. And that's easy to do because you can always go to milehighsports.com, watch or listen to catch this program and everything out there, or get it all on the free Mile High Sports app. Thank you for listening. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. We will be back tomorrow, but it's time for us to step aside. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports.